This podcast is an audio recording of a live event. It may reference visual material that cannot be represented in this recording. It may also contain strong language and adult themes. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ACME. It's very nice to be here. I haven't been to Australia before. Um, I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, my little job today is to talk about the archaeology of David Bowie's newest project. Um, that doesn't need to be, if you just keep it, uh, keep the blue screen until, that'll be great, Ian, thanks very much. Sorry I didn't make that clear enough. So, um, I'm talking about the archaeology of David Bowie's newest project, and that's a play, as many of us kn might know, to be entitled Lazarus, that's based on the 1976 film, The Man Who Fell to Earth. Directed by Nicholas Rogue, this film was in turn based on a 1963 novel by Walter Tevis, and many of us will know that it tells the story of a humanoid alien, Thomas Jerome Newton, played by Bowie in the film, who comes to Earth to obtain water for his drought-stricken, dying planet. And this film is saturated in a post-Watergate, post-Vietnam sense of paranoia, covert observation, and a world gone politically and ecologically off the rails, so the appeal to our own era is all too obvious. It's also true to say that Rogue's film is a visual and emotional tour de force. The new play is co-written by Bowie with the Irish writer Andrew Walsh, and most, most of the music is going to consist of reworkings of songs from Bowie's back catalogue. He's talked about giving these old songs what he calls a new skin. And he's also written, I think, about four new songs for the show. I'll end this talk by reading a tiny little bit from Walsh's writing, but for most of my time, I'm going to concentrate on Bowie's other collaborator in this project, um, Ivo van Hove. Um, we'll see his name in print very shortly, and he's, he's on the handout there somewhere. Van Hove is a very famous Belgian theatre director, and he's also the artistic director of Panel Group Amsterdam, which is Holland's leading theatre company. And last year, some of you may have been at this show, Last year, Tanel Group Amsterdam visited Adelaide, Australia, with the Roman Tragedies, which is an epic Shakespearean mashup of the bards Coriolanus, Julius Caesar, and Antony and Cleopatra. So they don't run from the big projects, these guys. So to help me along with this, I'm going to show you a sequence of images from some of Van Hove's other productions with Tanel Group Amsterdam. This sequence won't make a lot of sense initially, but it's my little job to help you make sense of it as we go on. I'll just list some of the productions before I start to play the song, and they are The Antonioni Project, which is based on three films by Michelangelo Antonioni, After the Rehearsal, Persona, based on two films by Ingmar Bergman, Scenes from a Marriage, also based on a film by Bergman, and The Kings of War, which is the company's most recent production, and it's, that's based on Shakespeare's Henry V, Henry VI, Richard III. The sequence is going to open and close with um, a nice image of Bowie's The Thin White Duke, but mostly it's going to open and close with images from Van Ho's production of Tony Kushner's plays Angels in America. Many of you will know that Angels in America is the overarching title for two plays written by Kushner in the early 1990s, and that, are that focus on the early years of the HIV and AIDS crisis in New York. I'll have more to, to say about this in a short while but uh, I'm just going to um, ask Ian to play this uh, sequence, or should I say, handout. So the text of Tony Kushner's plays both call for and reference a very, very vast range of music, but they stolidly disregard David Bowie. Oboes, a phone that sings, German lullabies, yep. German lullabies, Christmas carols, songs by the Beatles, Judy Garland, 
These are some of the musical elements that pulse through both parts of Angels in America, and David Bowie has nothing to do with any of them, though he is influenced by many of them. And as the text's very epic themes and intimate agonies are embodied in the production, David Bowie becomes almost another character, and crucially, an animating present. Presence, songs like The Man Who Sold the World, Life on Mars, Heroes, and instrumentals like Weeping Wall from Low shimmer through this production. Lady Grinning Soul, the song we've just heard, doesn't feature in the production, although Van Hove used it to end the first part of his 2012 production after the rehearsal Persona, which is based, as I've said, on films by Ingmar Bergman. Now, at this time, it's very unclear as to why Lazarus is the title of Bowie's new project. But it is true that Kushner's Angels in America references the story of Lazarus in St. John's Gospel. So to connect us more with the archaeology of Lazarus, we're going to read from the Bible. I'm going to read briefly from the story of, in St. John's Gospel, and I'm going to read the reference to it in Kushner's Angels. These are the first two extracts on the handout. And John's Gospel goes, And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, loose him and let him go. And in Angels in America, someone called Lewis, who's about to kiss someone called Joe, says, do you know the story of Lazarus? Can't remember what happens exactly. Back from the dead. You really believe that happened? And I think we can see in those two extracts, three really major themes from across Bowie's oeuvre. First, there's the question of voice. There's a question of a voice's power in and on the world. Second, there's the question of belief in a religious sense. And third, there's the will to believe that is such a fragile and thereby such a strong part of the aesthetic contract of theater. Now, the combination of intimate agonies and epic scenarios is also a feature of Van Hove's directions of Shakespeare. And this is very evident in uh, the Tunnel Group Amsterdam recent production of The Kings of War, which is based, as I've said, on uh, some of Shakespeare's history plays. The last section of The Kings of War, however, has a very interesting climax. Um, it's Richard III, and many of you will be aware that Richard III ends with the Battle of Bosworth and Richard saying, my horse, my horse, my kingdom for a horse. But in the Tunnel Group Amsterdam production, Richard's big showdown isn't with a horse he doesn't have, it's with the mother he really does have. And that, that's the image that I'm showing you on, the, on, that, on, on that slide. And in that image, Richard is played by the Dutch actor Hans Kesting, and his mother who's played by, is played by Kitty Courbois. And they're having an encounter where mummy speaks to her boy. These are words that are in Dutch, but I'm going to read a bit of Shakespeare's original to you. Um, and they're words that are not dissimilar to these. And this is what she says to poor Richard. Thou camest on earth, third extract on the handout, thou camest on earth to make the earth my hell. A grievous burden was thy birth to me. Tetchy and wayward was thy infancy, thy school days frightful, desperate, wild and furious, thy prime of manhood, daring, bold and venturous, thy age confirmed, proud, subdued, bloody, treacherous. What comfortable hour canst thou name that ever graced me in thy company? If anyone said that to me, I would just curl up and die. I don't know about you. Anyway, so, you know, I think the emotional causality is really interesting in this production. Anyway, apart from the very brutal chic of its look, because this image would, I feel, look at home in any Nicholas Rogue film from the 1970s, what is important here is a massive emphasis on intimacy and its discomforts in an epic context. An intimacy understood as often eroticized human closeness 
or as a relationship to knowledge, as in the verb to intimate, is a crucial question in The Man Who Fell to Earth. And we see this at work in the short passage from the novel that I've put on the handout. This is the fourth extract on the handout. But who could say what sort of person he was? He might be a vaguely foreign count or in an English comedy, or an aging Hamlet, or the mad scientist planning discreetly to blow up the world, or an unostentatious Cortez quietly building his citadel with local labor. So that question of intimacy is articulated in that extract from the novel through recourse to Shakespeare, evident in that phrase, an aging Hamlet. And the relationship between brutal questions of intimacy and epic context is agonizingly evident in Rogue's film, The Man Who Fell to Earth. So in producing a play, Lazarus, that's based on Rogue's film, Van Hove is drawing on the work of a very theatrical film director. The Man Who Fell to Earth has a very Shakespearean five-act structure. The intensity of its last act, after Newton's arrest and capture by the CIA, goes way beyond the equivalent moments in Tevis's novel. Like Rogue, and indeed like Shakespeare, Van Hove likes to slow things down and rather mercilessly turn the screws towards, a work, towards the end of a work, another Jamesian reference there. But the making of theater out of film that already has a complicated relationship to theater is clearly a fascination of Van Hove's and one of the reasons he's working on this project. And it's part of the archaeology of Lazarus. Many of the films Van Hove has adapted and which I've mentioned today are also coeval with, ele with elements of Bowie's career. So, so Scenes from a Marriage, which I'll get to in a second, is from 1973, the year of Aladdin Sane and of the killing off of Ziggy Stardust. After the rehearsal is from the era of Lats Dance, Bergman's Persona is from 1966, and Maud era Bowie most memorably evident in his song Can't Help Thinking About Me, which I've always thought would be a great alternative title for Persona. And then uh, in 1966, Bowie was also fascinated by Michelangelo Antonioni, as was Van Hove. So these European cinema plays are what Lynn Enterline has described, I like this phrase, as psychoanalytically improper explorations of intimacy. And the prize for psychoanalytic, psychoanalytic impropriety in Van Hove's oeuvre must go to his production of Scenes from a Marriage. And here is Van Hove. This is the last extract on the first side of the handout. Here is Van Hove on that adaptation. The first word that came to my mind when I read the text was intimacy. I wanted the actors to be very close to each other, but I also wanted the public to be very close to the actors, physically and as a consequence mentally close. There is almost no music, no video at all. We focus totally on the actors, their emotions, voices, and bodies. This production is one of my favorites. It's simple and complex, hard and merciless, but also tender, vulnerable, and warm. And this is probably Van Ho's most explicit statement of the intertwining of theater and intimacy. Yet, at nearly four hours in length, scenes from a marriage feels really epic, epic like a, like a Nicholas Rogue film. Unlike Rogue, Van Hove also in the show uses his medium to collapse time in some rather interesting ways. And for reasons of time, I won't go into that right now, but I can address it in questions if anyone would like me to. But in that last sentence from Van Hove, I think really it's interesting that he's doing some other kinds of collapsing. He's collapsing different kinds of op binary oppositions, simple and complex, merciless and vulnerable, hard and tender. And in that quotation, Van Hove was articulating his sense of the dynamics of his adaptation of Bergman. The play of scenes from a marriage is itself a response to a body of work that was coeval with Bowie and that he clearly found inspiring. So describing his own work in that way, Van Hove also outlines a combination of qualities and a collapsing of oppositions that marks Bowie's work. He's talking about himself, but really on one level, 
Van Hove here is talking about Bowie. He's a massive Bo Bowie fan. And certainly the overwhelming combination of the merciless and the tender was, for me, a major part of the feelings I experienced each of the six times I was lucky enough to see David Bowie live, and I'm including Tin Machine in that, I might add. But this peculiarity of affect is also a huge part of the lyrical and musical force of songs, say, like Station to Station, Always Crashing in the Same Car, Young Americans, you know, I could go on. But these songs are so important to Bowie's oeuvre, and they may well form part of the archaeology of Lazarus. I'm just going to end now, because earlier I said that I'd end by giving some attention to Enda Walsh, the writer who's been working on the script of Lazarus. And Van Hove has a great respect for writing and writers, and so do I, and so does David Bowie, so I don't want to leave him out. So I'm going to round off by reading, without any comment, a very, very short passage from Walsh's 2011 play, Mr. Man. This is on the second side. This is a play that, like Lazarus, focuses on a character called Thomas, and one that, like The Man Who Fell to Earth, explores the agonizing relationships between drives to salvation, connections with other worlds, and the messy weights of everyday life. So as I read, I would ask you all to remember The Man Who Fell to Earth, to think back on some of the images and sounds we've considered today, and to imagine, and as I read the final extract on the second side of this handout, to listen. Thomas, I stop listening. He looks up and look up. I look up to where I want to be, up there safe and in the clouds and far away from Inish Free. Thomas imagines himself to be in heaven. I sit like an angel of goodness up here, sit in the bluey white making me invisible. I listen to God's music soothing and piercing me with his goodness. No more the smart words of Charlie McInerney draining the life out of me, my head now free and without pain. I'm in a place where other speech is like poetry too, a place where I belong. I see other faces surrounding me, beautiful and kind. They welcome Thomas, angels, all of us, as we sit among the clouds. Thanks very much. You have been listening to an Acme podcast. For more recordings, go to soundcloud.com slash acmeonline or the Acme website.